0: Done, spun away, looking, shooting, done with a goal! Well done by
1: Crystal! What's good, and welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle, and I am here, as always, and thankfully, with Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, you know. Thinking about funny team names, just having a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it took us a while to hit the record button because we were wiling a little bit, but it's all good. We are having a good time. We are talking, uh, basically, a little bit after the U.S. Women's National Team won. So we're gonna we're gonna change the change it up a little bit. We're just gonna talk about that match. We're gonna kind of freestyle a little bit. Talk about that. Talk about some NWSL uh, and kind of get out of here. Um, Although we still are going to do heated and hype because uh, we got to and we got some things we heated about. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably already know what mine's going to be. Moving on, want <laughs> to uh, <laughs> go ahead and read a uh, read a review because that's what we do. We appreciate it when y'all review the podcast. Please do that. Uh, if you do uh, listen to us on an app that allows you to rate and review, please do both. We appreciate that. Five stars, we love those a lot, actually. Um, and this review uh, comes from Demonic Horde. Oh. I know, right? It's like, the, it's like when you send an email to nobody, it's like the male demon gets you. So it's spelled like that, like D-A-E-M-O-N. But I like it. Um, so the, the title of this one is Best Women's Soccer Coverage. So I started listening after the Burn It All Down interview with both hosts, Shout out to burn it all down. Thank you Shout so much out to for burn having it us. All down. Uh, interest in women's soccer is peaking due to my hometown getting a team next year. Go San Diego. Okay, okay, San Diego. Thank okay. you for creating a podcast like this. Appreciate that.
0: That's so nice.
1: I love reading those. They're uh, they're a little self indulgent, but you know what? It's important. It's important, and we we feel the love and we appreciate it. So yes, please send us. review if you can if your app allows you to we do appreciate it so um yeah as we said we're gonna we're gonna freestyle this a little bit so i guess uh and we don't have to keep it to this game that happened today tuesday um we can talk about the other game a little bit if you remember some of that um there were two very different games the first one ended nil nil this one ended what six nil um so very very different um amazing what having an actual six on the pitch can do i digress Uh, (laughs) Courtney, what did you see see in these matches or in any particular match?
0: Yeah, so I remember when these matches were announced, I was really, really excited, Um, only, like, for several reasons. One, we don't really see Korea play often. Like, and by we, I mean, like, here in the States, it is not easily accessible. Um, And also, for example, knowing G, player for Chelsea, Place for them I was like oh I'm just like I am just excited about these matches um and then going into them I you know saw the history of um them holding the U.S. to like a few different nil nil draws things like that um really kind of holding their own so I was like really excited about this and I think a lot of my excitement definitely happened in the first match <laughs> like <laughs> like I just kind of felt it I mean I t- I, t- <laughs> I tweeted like it was definitely out of context but after uh the nil nil match ended, I <laughs> I tweeted a gif of um Raven from like Raven Simone from that so Raven and her getting oh, a vision. And I was like, I saw this coming. Uh because I just had a feeling that like it was like the game was going to be a lot more competitive than I think a lot of people thought, uh thought happening. I will say a lot of that is because there was no true I'll be nice. I'll say no true six on the field uh, for that nil-nil. And so, of course, you know, uh, South Korea got on the ball, got on the ball often (laughs) uh, and really like truly started double teaming uh, Kelly O'Hara, which led to some success, as we've unfortunately seen uh, (laughs) for the opposition sides. And so, yeah, I thought that match was, I mean, based on scoreline, for example, was definitely a lot more competitive than. This match that we saw last night or tonight, I meant. Um, so yeah, like I don't know. I'm trying to think of, but be- besides, honestly, besides like <laughs> putting in a six, what <laughs> really changed between like the previous match and this one that we just saw? Um, and also, for example, in the first match, uh, I think her name is Yoon. Just stood on her head.
1: Yeah, the goalkeeper. <laughs> the goal. Yeah, she was. Yeah, doing it.
0: she literally all over the place i was like i stan you now like i'm really here (laughs) for this um but yeah i mean to me there's not they're only for example like or i guess the way i always look at these games of taking like small things like i don't think i can necessarily really look big picture at it um because you know it's hard it's for example like they're friendlies you know it's not um you know for example it's not like the World Cup or World Cup qualifying any of those things. So some of the things that I liked uh of course seeing Cat. We've just seen her truly ball out for Leone. Um
1: that like her mig, no. <laughs> she didn't have that, thing,
0: very That true That <laughs> nutmeg was nasty. Uh also Casey shouted Casey Kruger's yes, <laughs> Casey Kruger's nutmeg. Too. Yeah. Uh just and then didn't get the foul call even though she was very clearly fouled. Um but I digress. Uh but yeah, so some of the things I like definitely seen Cat just in this system like i can't i really can't wait for the day and i know we're gonna talk about dream lineups but like when the system is going to start really being built around her and her skills that's going to be a great day in life um of course andy playing like andy like (laughs) andy has been bawling since what the dawn of time um oh okay (laughs) wait this is a fun story so andre my friend courtney who i went to college Mm with uh is from nova (laughs) do you want to hear a funny story about andy Sullivan? Uh, always. So when they were playing each other for like you know club soccer and even um sometimes in high school, <laughs> Courtney told me and we were actually at a we went to a sphere game at Audi Field. She told me that her team would fully change their game plan and lineups just to counteract Andy. <laughs> like they just changed right. everything <laughs> because they're like she's Sounds really right. good at soccer. We have to do everything <laughs> in our power to stop her from soccering. <laughs> She told me that and I started literally crying uh, on the sidelines because it was so funny. But yeah, I mean, I thought Andy was really bright. Um, I also thought Sophia Smith, the the ball this evening that I can't remember if it led to a goal, but I think it might have actually, or maybe like a really good chance where um, I was either Andy or Tierna just like play the ball over the top. And Sophia Smith got on it. It was just Sophia Smith was balling. She had some really, really good feet. In the first match this match one thing that really stood out besides up all over the top and her getting on it was um the dummy she did in the second half it was mm-hmm. just she was playing really well um this is obviously not the i will say not the best analysis um but you know there are definitely like small things that you pick up on of um players playing well
1: yeah i think you made a good point about that nil nil you know the first match against south korea i mean that's The thing that was so frustrating for me about that match is that, to me, it looked like South Korea did the exact same thing that we just saw team after team do to the U.S. in the Olympics. We just saw that, right? Gum up midfield, attack down the flanks with overlaps and overloads. That's all they did. And we had a hard time stopping it, couldn't break through it. They had a lot more of the ball than you would expect them to have for a for these type of friendlies and no, no real disrespect to South Korea. Obviously there's still a good, um, there's still a good squad. As you mentioned, G, G plays for Chelsea. She's an amazing, amazing player. Been a really good player for Chelsea for a number of years. Um, Close to undroppable in that midfield, but I said close to, I'm not going to go on that rant. (laughs) Okay, please. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 it was frustrating to see it. I think some of it was poor finishing, but then again, some of it was, you just don't have the fluidity when you don't have an actual six. Somebody who plays that role will play that role and will play that role with the um capabilities that are required. You know, moving the ball right to left, finding these scenes, finding the passes, keeping you basically so you're you set the tempo from there, right? You're also playing defense. You're kind of the last midfielder. So you are playing defense, but you're also making sure that the team is you're like you're kickstarting things, you're moving things along, and that's what I really loved about you know even though it was it was the deflected Haran goal was the first one in this in today's match the six nil that came from Andy Sullivan it was a ball that was kind of it it looked like nothing she wasn't in a great position to really do much of anything with it it seemed but this is what like the the vision of a six like and and a true six this is what they do and so she found the space to be able to knock the ball. Into the channel wide for Sophia Smith, who you want to make sure that your creative players can be first to get to the ball. So she put it in, basically put it toward the corner. And Sophia Smith was able to get get to it first because she's pretty much going to beat anybody in a foot race to that. And then, you know, the cutback was excellent. Obviously, the deflection was a little unlucky for South Korea, but that's the kind of thing you want from, from a six. Somebody with a vision to be able to put the ball into that kind of space. And you just don't have that unless you know, <laughs> Julie Ertz is playing or unless Andy Sullivan is playing, you know, I've, we've seen this Haran thing as the six for a number of times. And it just, I say it all the time, but it just really doesn't make any sense that we never game plan for the fact that, hey, perhaps Julie Ertz's body might break down from time to time, or maybe she'll end up retiring one of these days. Maybe we should have <laughs> another six. It's just so weird because like Jalen Howells, she's been in camps before, Andy Sullivan's been right there, killing it in the NWSL, right in front of your face. I don't understand. Like, I still do not understand. So it was great to see Andy in this. I, I'm glad that she's healthy. You know, there were some concerns about her knee, um, which she got hurt in a spirit match, but it seems like she's recovered from that. She was training with the U.S. Women's National Team, so I think she was all good. Uh seemed like they waited until she was 100% to get her out there. But it's just like, please. That position, especially with the way we play, which, as Courtney alluded to, we'll talk about that possibly formation changes in the future. But um, the way that the U.S. Women's National Team is currently constructed, you need a six to six, and a, and the nine <laughs> that plays as a six doesn't six.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, we were we were laughing about this earlier because we were talking about. Um... Like we're talking about seeing Emily Fox now. Emily Fox is just kind of allowed to roam. But sometimes it's like kind of funny. Like in this past match, like she just turned up at the, at the top of the eighteen and like <laughs> just shot the ball. And I was like, we're all like, wait, wait a moment. <laughs> it's like,
1: it's always back. funny. I don't understand how she has the freedom to do this because I don't know if Vlaka was like, sure, go ahead and do this, or if it's just her game and you're not going to coach it out of her because she just says. I'm good enough to go on this run. I see the space. I'm gone. It's just really, really funny to see her take off. I'm like, where's she going? Yeah,
0: it honestly makes me laugh every time. Um, And also, one thing that I also want to shout out um, from these matches, even though we only saw her really in the first match, Casey Kruger. It deeply pains me. And I was talking to my older sister about this. And because she always asks me, she's like, who's legit on the national team? And who's like a lie? (laughs) Not to say (laughs) who I said. but. I was, she was like, well, who, she was like, where's Crystal And I was like, oh, she's taking some much needed time off. Um, And then she was like, she was trying to remember someone. And I like threw out her name, Casey Kruger. And she was like, wait, why isn't Casey Kruger playing? Casey Kruger is so good. And it's like, yes, w- quite <laughs> simply, right. yes. Casey Kruger is so good to me. There is absolutely no reason why she is not like, obviously outside of Crystal Dunn, but we're we're on an agenda to get Crystal to the midfield. Mm-hmm. But why she is not your starting outside back. And the thing is, she can play either outside back position and she can also right. play center back. Like, they remember... tell us versatility
1: is important, right?
0: Right. And not even because I remember this from a, a podcast uh, between Vlaco and uh, an interview on Grant Wall's podcast between Grant and Vlaco, And when he was like basically what the U.S. was looking for when compiling This roster for the Olympics, which I'm not going back down that rabbit hole, but the one thing he said was like, we're looking for versatility, but not just versatility in terms of like vertical versatility. So thinking, for example, um, putting Midge as outside back, um, even though she can also play as winger and play as a wide forward. He was like, we're all talking about, you know, versatility across lines. Can this person play as an outside back or a center back or something? And I was like, Casey Kruger Kruger can do that. And she does it spectacularly every time.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly when you said that. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, I remember him saying that. And I'm like, well.
0: And like, Casey's right there. (laughs) She's right there. And yet, and like, and I, and it was so funny because I was, and I, I was also talking with my older sister. Um talking about like for example easy ways <laughs> to like to score in the US right and like ways that we've seen right you attack one of the um outside backs normally the right outside back um and then you then like you play you basically get to the wing you double team um you double team that outside back and then you either play a ball over the top cuz i mean i think Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dahlkemper are great players, but they quite simply just, like, don't have the speed, which is why we often saw, for example, Crystal Dunn making 75-yard sprints to, like, save a goal um, because she just has the speed to quite simply get back there and kind of make up for um, Abby and Becky just, like, not being the fastest players. And then it's like you either play a ball over the top or you play a... a Um, a ball that splits the center backs and then you have someone running it behind. And it's like, that's exactly, it's like, it's a way to do it. And one way you can stop doing that quite simply, besides having a six to cut off them passing lanes and press the ball is by also having outside backs who are very good as outside backs and who like, I know it's a big thing. I know, I know it's a huge thing to convert forwards to outside backs what is so bad about just having (laughs) like bringing up players who have been playing at outside back for years and years and years and you don't need to convert them because they're already a lock at that position like someone please explain it to me and don't actually explain it to me that's a rhetorical (laughs) question Um, exactly but it's just like casey krueger is so good and to me rarely if ever takes a step wrong but yet it's still like a will casey krueger make the national team roster which is ridiculous
1: Yeah, it's actually, it's actually pretty frustrating if I, when I, when I kind of step back and get like a macro level view, like I was so happy for Casey Kruger. I was so happy for Lynn Williams, you know, that they got on the Olympic teams, you know, and that they were there and, you know, you saw how, like, I I think um, Lynn said this on a recent episode of their snacks podcast that she does with Sam Mewis talked about how you know like shocked and happy she was that she was actually selected, and then you know when she was getting into matches and stuff, obviously she wasn't happy about how that Australia game plan went down um but she was happy about that, and it just kind of made me upset like these players should just be part of the team. they shouldn't be like ecstatic and like overjoyed because they they finally got the opportunities they deserve, but that's obviously that's not where the team is right now. And it's really, really frustrating that that's the case. And it seems like that's going to continue, even though I super hope that it does not. Which actually might bring me a a nice unplanned segue to the future, perhaps. At least the future as we see it. I want to throw out the disclaimer. We are under no, no false pretenses that this is actually possible or going to happen. If it happens, we'll be hyped as hell. But we oh, know how this name. works. So we're not going to come at y'all and be like, yep, this is exactly what's going to go down. Nah, this is what we want to see. So, uh, Courtney, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know which one you want to start with, but I think you have a couple lineups that you've that you that you've been cooking up over there. What do you want to see in the future?
0: I have. I've been thinking deeply about a 442 diamond. <laughs> Quite simply because I love it. Um, thinking about, and like this is, for example, like, in terms of changing playing styles that like can actually work for the u s like we're not talking even though I'd love me a good three at the back. We're not talking about like drastic change three at the back, like doing a three four three with wing backs, even though that's also something I'm cooking up, but I'm not talking about it now, but a four four two diamond here's here's my diamond, or sorry, here's my five back four. and like obviously there are other people that can come in, um but thinking about the future. I would have Emily Fox as left back, Tierna and Alana as the center backs, but also you can, you know, slot Abby in there, for example. Yes. Get Alana um,
1: Cook in that back line.
0: But look, I need people to start talking more about Alana Cook. Her decision making is great. She's always in the right position. I digress. But uh and then you have Casey as your right back. Uh for the diamond, we have Andy as the base of that diamond, that holding midfield role. Uh then we have cat and rose kind of as and like to be fair with this, the front three of this diamond of their cat crystal and rose rotate. They rotate all the time. So sometimes you'll have um crystal in one of the wide positions, sometimes you'll have rose in one of the wide wide positions, you'll have cat in the center, you'll have rose at the top at the tip of the diamond. Um but the the key to this for that for those three truly are rotation. And then your top two, and there's so many options for this. So I came up with I'm just gonna list all of them and you can slot whatever two your is your favorite <laughs> up there. <laughs> Basically, for those uh two those um your two forward roles, we're not having anyone truly play as a striker. You have Lynn Williams, Sophia Smith, Midge, Trinity Rodman, <laughs> Kristen Press, Mal Pugh. The, truly so so many. It's unreasonable. But really, what I'm looking at here. And like technically, we can tweak this variation to kind of make it more of a four-three-three. But I personally like a four-four-two diamond because even though, for example, you would have maybe Rose on one side, Cat on the other, and Crystal being the tip of that diamond because it's a diamond and they're supposed to stay close together. No one is actually playing in like a very traditional wide role. Like it wouldn't be, for example, what Gareth T- Taylor tried to do with Roosevelt at Man City. But because it's compact right there in the center of the park a little bit that's when you can go for example and have your casey Kruger's emily fox a little bit even though now that i'm thinking about it i'm like she just kind of roams anyway <laughs> um <laughs> but you can use them to give with to your team so that way if you want to go and keep playing for example the tactics that Vlaco likes doing of having your outside backs getting forward crossing in the ball all of those good things that can still happen which is why i love a good four-four-two diamond
1: yeah, I was gonna say uh, I I I change up my favorite formations all the time. I'm not really I've I haven't really been married to a formation for a long time, um, because it just it changes. You know, it's really the concepts that I see you know popularized throughout you know some of the major teams or some of the some of the teams that are out there doing some interesting things. So, um, but a four four two diamond has a special place in my heart because when it's played right, you get triangles all over the pitch.
0: All at least, over
1: the pitch. It's really, really fun. You can do triangles on every in every third. And it's so cool to see when it works really, really well. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it is so nice. My backup to this, if we'd want to keep with the four three three, my chaotic thing, which I've talked about in the group chat and Andre, I know you agree. Is if we keep a four three three, you keep all the same players at the field, but instead you have um you have uh like <laughs> uh crystal as like your attacking or your think about triangles so you have like your flat back four and then you have your holding midfielder right in the center and then if you think like the triangle goes up and then you have um and then you would have like crystal and rose kind of uh as those attacking midfielders and then you the rest of the three would be like for example Lynn cat and uh Sophia Smith but what I would like with this because it's deeply chaotic and it like technically rolls into a four four two diamond but you can say it's a four three three is having crystal dunn so you have cat play as a false nine Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then you have crystal dunn play as a 10 right behind her yes but then you just have them switch sometimes in the match just be chaotic because this is a this is a beautiful thing and i need when i need people making dream lineups I need them to start bringing Crystal a little bit more into the midfield because we were like, oh, she's that yes. outside back. And it's like, no, stop it. She's a midfielder, deserves to be in the midfield. But if we're talking about, like, vision, skill on the ball and using that skill on the ball to, like, bypass presses through skill and then being able to slot the ball through in behind where you have your very quick forwards. Being able to have Cat and Crystal just... Switch when they want to would be a a deep headache for anyone. Nice. because it's like, who am I supposed to mark? Because you can also, and this is from Cat playing at Lyon. She can also just play as a pure number nine striker. Mm-hmm. But also, so can Crystal. Mm-hmm. The versatility, the the possibilities. <laughs> Let love into your heart and put this lineup on the field, Vlaco. Please.
1: This is my favorite one. This is this is my favorite one. I I I. I think there are very strong arguments for for getting away from the from the U.S. women's national team getting away from the standard four three three, but I think they don't have to if they change up the tactics and how they how they deploy it. I think we've been fairly static. I think that was part of the other problem uh, in the Olympics is that everybody knew what to expect. Um, we don't really do a whole lot of switching between the wings. Um, our nine plays as a nine, uh, even though. You know, Morgan would sometimes drop a little deeper just to help with build up play. It's not necessarily something we want to do. It's not integrated. It's more of a reaction than this is how we're going to play. If you change that up, then the 433 works excellently because this would be, I mean, y'all imagine, imagine, y'all, all, if you've been following the account and you see the, the highlights that we've been posting from Leon and you watch Katarina Macario today. There was one thing where she did this little little two-foot, like, quick two-touch dribble thing to split two defenders, laid the ball off to Sophia and then darted into space. If Sophia would have just slid the ball to her, and they'll get more familiar playing with each other once, you know, they better. (laughs) Uh, But when they get more familiar playing with each other, she'll understand the cat's going to find that space. She's starting to do that a lot now because her movement is ridiculous. Her awareness is ridiculous, and... That would have been one of the best goals that the U.S. Women's National Team has scored in a very long time, <laughs> um, because that quickness of movement is just to me. That's how you have, that's how you're going to beat defenses these days. The defenses are rigid, they're strong, they know how to organize. The only thing that really gets them is taking them off balance somehow. And when you have players who can combine that way. Crystal Dunn and Cat switching is an absolute nightmare because not only can they both do like, not only do the both have great vision, not only they both dangerous to score from really anywhere around the box, but they're so quick and they're so dangerous with their, with their dribbling and their off the ball movement. It would just be a nightmare to track both of those players. And okay, which one's playing the nine right now, which one's moving around in midfield? Okay. This one dropped off and moving around. And then of course, throughout all that chaos, You got either Sophia Smith, Mal Pugh, Lynn Williams, Kristen Press running around, Trini Robin running around out there. Rose. You don't, Rose, like, yeah, you don't want those problems. It's, I mean,
0: I'd also just create a 4-1-4-1 with the same players, which, like, honestly, if we're being foremost on itself, like, a lot of these formations are, like, very similar. It's just kind of, you know, where players are, sit sometimes defending, but also play attacking. Um, But yeah, the, I need, I big. A big please a big please put cat and crystal in the midfield together that is like all that is genuinely all i want to see it really is it's all i want to see and also if we're thinking about like thinking about that one beautiful team goal that was ruled offside or ruled off because Ugh, i think chesky yeah. bloor was caught oh, was mexico, or that something. goal against
1: mexico yes
0: yeah if we're thinking of okay let's say this is the basis of locka ball and this is a type of style he wants to play having your two tens i mean technically i mean with that lineup they are technically like three tens it's like three yeah. tens two weights f- four nines and a whole bunch of other <laughs> things do that math on your own time um but having the like having players who to me <laughs> think in 5g like i think we're i think the national team players are in four G. I'm in three G, <laughs> but but like Cat <laughs> and Crystal are like in five G. I would actually put Rose up there. They're all in five yeah. G. Yeah. And then you have and like the more and I kind of I could tell this like the more for example that uh Sophia and Lynn and Press they all play with players like Cat and Crystal and playing in that style they're all elevating to five G. Like, when you get that on the field, besides bulldozing players, (laughs) I can't really think, or like a 100% perfect spectacular tactical game plan that has to be performed at 110%. I can't think of a truly, I can only think of probably maybe, let's say three teams that can really, really counter that. Because once it starts clicking, and clicking regularly, it's gonna be nasty.
1: You know what? I'm so glad you brought up that Mexico goal because, and I, I was gonna go on a little tweet thread about that earlier. Um, I think it was last week, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not. I'm I'm tired of talking about this, but I won't talk about it on the podcast. Um, talk about it. Yeah, it's it's just that goal. If that to me, if that truly, truly is the perfect illustration of how Vlado wants the team to play. Then, to me, you would make better personnel decisions to allow them to play like that against better opposition, because you can do that even though it was it was, it was incredible. But Mexico is a team that's getting better, but there's a reason why we scheduled them in a warm up to the Olympics. It wasn't really to be tested. it was to go out there and kind of try things, get players you know fresh and ready to play on every three days. If you really want them to be capable of doing something like that against better competition, Sweden. Canada, you know, uh, France, Spain, a Spain team is going to be so good. I I have a, (laughs) maybe I'll talk about this in a second, but let me finish this point. Um, If you actually want the team to be capable of doing something like that, you have the players. And so to me, if that's what you're going for, then you select the personnel who can accomplish that. And we didn't bring the personnel who can accomplish that to Tokyo. And I'm sorry everything keeps going back to Tokyo for me, but I'm still so frustrated because I think just simple decisions being made changes that entire tournament. But, well,
0: and I mean, and even if you want to say those, like, let's say those were the right personnel, the right personnel weren't on the field to do those <laughs> things.
1: True. Well, and and the other thing is, we we still didn't even have a six. We we kind of had a a, a a injured Julie Ertz out there, which is going to be difficult to do those kinds of things if she's not at one hundred percent. But but yes, absolutely. There were we've talked about before how little Casey Kruger played, how little Cat played, and and never really would, how little Lynn played. Like it just wasn't it, you you didn't do yourself any favors to be able to accomplish the goal that you said. You said this is it. This is how we want to play. And you didn't set the team up or put in the right personnel in your elevens to be able to do that against teams that are very good. I mean,
0: truly, one hundred percent. Like, oh, also, I forgot in my lineup list. Um, Tobin is also in there too. Uh, oh yeah. But Tobin would <laughs> yeah. like slot in as in the midfield. I just realized I forgot. I realize I just forgot to write her name down. Can we talk uh,
1: about Tobin making that player fall with like a shoulder shimmy? <laughs> Kappa's, you have twenty-four hours to respond. <laughs> When I saw that in real time, I had to tweet. I was like, "Did she? Did she just drop someone with a shoulder shimmy?" And and yeah, when they when they dropped the highlight, I was like, yeah, "She did. She she did. <laughs> was so nasty. Why is she so disrespectful?" I love it. Okay. Kappa Apple
0: Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. You have twenty four hours to respond. <laughs> That's all I will say about that. <laughs> it's like, have you seen that video? This a tangent, but have you seen? It? it's the cutest video but it's of this little this little baby shimmying
1: yeah i think uh i think she just Ashna, has been moving her shoulders i think she she retweeted she quote tweeted the tweet with that video i was like this this baby
0: <laughs> and people are like cap you have 24 hours to respond same thing with, <laughs> <laughs> with Tobin shimmying and getting a player off balance you have 24 hours to respond
1: so before we move on and talk about the NWSL real quick, I, I mentioned this and I, I, don't, I don't know how deeply I want to get into it yet. I think I'm going to wait and just kind of see because there's still a lot that needs to happen in the U.S. Women's National Team to get prepared for the future, the next phase of the team, which we were hoping was going to happen, you know, this summer, but didn't. Um, my concern is that the team is already behind. Um, and I think I said a little bit of this in the group chat, but I'm I'm very concerned that the team is already behind because it's not just, um, you know, player turnover. It's also tactics, as we've just been talking about. Like You can't continue to play the static 4-3-3 that you've been playing. Like, sometimes it will work very well, but there are teams out there who are very good. I think that in the next World Cup, I think a lot of American sports fans and, and fans that really focus and only pay attention to the u.s women's national team i think they're going to be shocked at how good spain is i think they're going to be shocked at how good like france is and how they improve i don't know what serena weigman's going to be able to do with england but they're going to be an interesting team as well um pia sunaga is gonna have an interesting brazil team i believe so like there are some teams that are really leveling up quite well and and canada who just won a gold (laughs) gold medal like canada's Really, really good and really, really tough to score goals on. So like, I think that in terms of changing and growing, the U.S. is behind. So there's a lot of work to me that needs to get done. And it's not just finding the right personnel, which which makes me, which is why I'm skeptical. Because one, they don't like to move and they don't like to make, to take chances of change all that much. And they don't like to make personnel decisions um, that they need to make <laughs> before they really actually need to make them. I'll talk about the Carly thing later, but this send-off happening late October 2021 is silly. She shouldn't have been on the team for multiple uh, cycles now. Not been effective, and that's not the way the team should have been playing with the with the static nine. So like these are things that concern me about the team. They have to do a lot of catch-up if they plan on getting to putting themselves in the best position because then I know what's going to happen. People are going to blame the players and say like, Oh, they're not playing the way that this player, or Oh, they miss Carly or this. And that. like, no, 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 no. The team needs to be able like, like Courtney, you just talked about, they need to be able to change the system and get used to the type of interchanging, the type of, the type of attacking tactics and techniques that actually work these days, as opposed to staying static. And that's where I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a super fair concern. I mean, like, you know, in terms of actual tactics, I can't really think of things re- like of things really, really changing between then and now. Like, yeah, some players come in and out, but I mean, still the linchpin of whether the U.S. to at least to me at at the current moment, and even um, at least for the like Vlaco era, and maybe you could argue a bit at times um, with Jill Ellis of like <laughs> the linchpin of if the team to me like wins or loses is having a proper six. Um and I also know this is like a little sneak preview for y'all. Um we're going to have some more episodes coming up where we give flowers to several black players who have retired who were not given their proper flowers. Yes. So, but with that, you know, like that this <laughs> surprisingly the six has always to me been the center of this um the center of the team and you know, While that's important, I don't, like, off the top of my head thinking, for example, about club teams, like, no one is really, I think, like, to me truly playing with, like, a traditional six of, like, you just kind of get in there, you cause chaos, but that's, and then, like, normally you'll, like, get possession and then, like, maybe play a ball normally, like, behind um, to one of your center backs or one of your outside backs to kind of, like, get possession and start play again, and while, the U.S. isn't necessarily doing that right now. Like, to me, for example, there is still a big difference tactically when you have Julie Ertz as your six versus if you have a player like Andy Sullivan as your
1: six. Absolutely. Passing range changes. And, you know, just like we, we broke down that that first goal and just her vision and being able to place the ball in that space. I mean, it's stuff like that, that you need your six to be able to do and and see those things regularly, not not like. On occasion they can do that like every game they're gonna be able to to move the ball to progress the ball by either breaking a line or going over top of a line either way so yeah i think i think that's a really really good point
0: point. and my last thing with six is is that even now if you have a player playing like a six even that kind of destroyer role is still to me not like a true destroyer where it's like you just break things up and then you you know pass it back a uh, pass the ball back or like pass the ball to one of your playmakers let's say it's like you are completely destroying, but then you are also still progressing the ball up the field. And, like, to me, one of the best players, and, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I love him, N'Golo Kante. But, like, <laughs> and I will find a way to always bring him up because he is a pride and joy. Um, but, you know, thinking about that destroyer role, or even, for example, at times with Formiga, like, getting that ball, but then still, like, finding a way to break those lines and get the ball up the field is, for example, like, more modern tactics and a more modern playing style. And I don't know if you get that without a player like Andy Sullivan or a player who plays like Andy Sullivan.
1: That's what Andy does with the spirit. They interchange a lot and they move around a lot. And she has a lot of freedom in that role because other players can kind of rotate a little bit to tuck in just for a little defensive cover. Even if they're staying in the same line as her, they don't have to drop completely behind her, but they can stay in the same line. And She's she's comfortable with that. She can dribble the ball. She knows how to manipulate the ball to be able to find space and dribble by someone, and she knows how to find that pass. She has great vision. I mean, we we've seen it in just her limited time um with the US Women's National Team and it's like it's so frustrating cuz I'm like that's it. That's what y'all need. That's what it is right there. That's it's right there. It's always been right there and she's doing this this is the thing like You know, you mentioned uh, like Crystal Dunn, she's talked about how difficult it is to play for, you know, she plays multiple positions with her club team and then goes back and has to play left back for the U.S. Women's National Team and how difficult that is just to change her mindset, change the angles, change her her level of awareness, what she's looking for, how she anticipates, like it's a complete reprogramming every time she switches into one role or the other. Andy does this with the spirit. It's the same thing that we need done on the U.S. Women's National Team. So it's just so silly to me that it's taken so long to be like, oh, yeah, Andy, get in there. Let's see what you can do. Okay. You know
0: you know who's a player who that also reminds me of? Who? Jen Cujo. Oh, oh yeah, that's facts. a segue to the it NWSL. Sure oh, Thank why do you look at that? <laughs> but Ken, Jen Cujo also does that. Jen Cujo... <laughs> I can wax lyrical about her at times, but if we're thinking about a player who at least used to, Scott Parkinson has changed a little bit Uh, when we saw her get some minutes against Kansas City, but for example, a player who comes in, you know, kind of as a six, comes in, gets the ball, that destroyer role, but not only can, for example, pass it backwards, but also having really good skill on the ball and being able to go forward and tr- and like trigger that attack, especially if you want to, for example, play on the counter attack, that is so necessary. And like finding you know smart passing lanes, like I can't, I think it was, I think I did tweet out like she had a beautiful ball for Gotham against Kansas City, um, and I tweeted I was like that was just a beauty to watch, um, but yeah, like a player like Jen Cujo, even though like she plays for the uh, Ghanaian national team, but. I was was just using that as a little segue to talk about, you know, the NWSL and all of all of the things happening with it. Uh, Just a quick rundown, I guess, of what's to come. Um, So over the international break, Gotham played Kansas City and the match ended with a 1-1 draw. We saw Margaret Purse uh, get on the score sheet. Uh, Kristen Edmonds getting the equalizer off a PK for Kansas City. Um, and the most interesting thing to me about this game, uh, is that besides, so there are only three teams that at the moment Gotham does not have the head to head over, which is wild, fundamentally wild. (laughs) Um, and those teams are Portland and they're, they're not playing Portland anymore. So like, there's nothing's going to change about that. Uh, they're playing racing Louisville twice, (laughs) once on Thursday, once on Saturday, if you don't know it's very weird they're playing each other in 4 days once at home for each team um but then the other team is Kansas City and the funny thing about this can- Kansas City is that um you would have to like for example go down if they were let's say they were like uh the same in the table you would have to go to that next tie break and like Gotham would place ahead of Kansas City because of let's like goal differential but it's really really fascinating uh to me that Kansas City like I mean, to me, that they're very, very good right now, for example, at playing spoiler for all the other teams, um, but also just thinking about their season in general and how, to me, they have all the right p- pieces, especially like playing at home. Where they play in Kansas City is a fortress. I tweeted it out in the middle of the game, um, but Kansas City has not lo- lost at home since July.
1: It's absurd. It's mind-blowing. like that
0: is absurd <laughs> that they have not lost at home that place is a fortress and yeah you can maybe say it's like because of for example the actual field um and how i was actually thinking about this of how having a narrow field really stifles a lot of teams in this league because a lot of teams in the league like getting the ball out wide and then like you know crossing it in all of those things and so not having your wide players able to get as much with means that you have to change your game plan which is why for me for example and Andre I'd love to know what you think about this as well of when Jen Kujo finally came in the match not only to me did like Gotham Loki start like the touches the flicks like it became a lot more almost like footsie street ball-y which Kujo brings into the match which to me is the best part because it's like being able to you know dribble your way out of tricky situation to all those things like that's as, like, a football fan, that's, like, what I love seeing. But also, kind of going back to, for example, what we're talking about with the national team, being able to break those lines of press, being able to dribble around players, start attack, launch counterattacks with passing lanes. Like, that's really, really important. And so when Cujo came in, it was like, oh, like, to me, those chances for, I would say, of like, especially for the first half, I thought the majority, Kansas City had the majority of chances. Um And up I would say up until... Cujo came in, to me, that's when I was like, oh, Gotham is really, really getting on the ball. Like, Even though, if I'm being fair, like it was a little bit flip-floppy, but to me, so many of those chances that Gotham had going forward once Jen Cujo got on the field was because of Jen Cujo.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm just confused about the whole Jen Cujo thing. I don't know what's really going on with there. I I think um, from all reports, from everything that we've heard, both in Chicago and in uh, Gotham, you know, Scott Parkinson is a good dude. He's a real, you know, uh, you know, he's he's a very good coach. He knows what he's doing. Um, I just, but I just don't understand this thing about you know, she needs to, you know, pick up some things or learn some things or maybe unlearn some things. I don't know if it was difficult going from like Freya Com to Scott Parkinson. I don't really know what was going on there, but it's it's been frustrating that she hasn't been in the squad because I. We've said this a number of times. I think their best midfield has maybe you know their most creative midfield has Sodom Lee and and Jin Cujo um, playing behind or in front of either you know Zerboni or Long. And I think that's that's the midfield they should go with, particularly when you can actually you have a solid defense, you have great defenders across all across your back line, um, and you have a, an attacked that cannot be stopped with Efi and Midge and they have a great partnership going. I think you give them as many opportunities as possible. And then if you want to, you know, score a couple goals and sit on the lead, then you can do that. Uh, you know, you, then you bring on, you know, Ali Long or Zerboni and have those those two kind of locking down midfield. So I don't really understand what's going on, but I completely agree with you. I think when Jen Kujo got on, it's just the movement of the ball movement through midfield is just so much better. You know, she is, a great dribbler. She has a great idea for passes. Um and sh- and she makes quick decisions. And that's something that you need from that from that position. So I'm I'm drawing a blank on the on what's what I've heard recently about the Jen Cujo situation. I just hope we see her a lot more often now.
0: I completely agree. And I think the one thing that I kind of gleamed from the press conference was that right now Parkinson wants her playing in a more advanced role. That's like one thing that she kind of I wish I had the um I wish I had the transcript pulled up in front of me, but it was that right now, I think we're used to seeing her as a six, maybe at times an eight. And I think he's trying to make her more of a 10 or at least like play in, for example, a much more advanced role as opposed to the role that she was playing under Coombe. That is like the only thing that I gleaned from it when, um, when she was talking, like, cause we'd asked her, you know, you haven't necessarily had enough playing time, but Parkinson said like, you were the best trainer. Um, This week, all of this stuff, uh, and she kind of alluded to being put in a different, like, kind of being put in a different position on the field, which I don't know if that means that now there, for example, she has different competition for a role. Like, maybe she's not, for example, competing with a Zerboni or a Long, but now she's, maybe it's more of a um, a Naho Kawasumi, or even, like, when she wants to a Carly Lloyd, um, p- kind of playing at that ten role. It's still, I mean, I still com- completely agree. Like to me, she deserves much more playing time, um, and I will eventually get to my three five two for Gotham um, <laughs> and why that should happen. But yeah, I think it's a, it might be a change of position type thing. Even though to me that's also a little bit confusing, um, because I think when she plays not even as a six, but truly as an eight, she is. Very good at what she does.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that just you know,
0: reminded me of another heated. <laughs> oh, I forgot, yes, but, yeah. forgot about Save. that other heated. Good, good.
1: Lord. Save those. We're almost there. Um I did want to say, you know, you mentioned that that um record by KC. Uh, yo, this is this is one of those things that makes me just look at this league and admire it because I don't know of any other league in the world, men's or women's, where the last place team has a 7 game home unbeaten streak. <laughs> like think about that. Think about how wild that is that the last place team in the league with with that goal differential that they have, the last place team in the league is still very very difficult to beat when you go to them. That's just it's I could when you tweeted that I almost couldn't believe. It. I had to go not that I didn't trust you, but I had to go back and look at the results and be like, "What happened? Are they just like you know, are they kind of scoring like last minute equalizers or what's going on? But no, they actually only got scored on twice during that run in those seven games. I can't remember who the first one, the first goal was, but the second was Midge just recently in the last game that they played. Like, right. It's been a ridiculous defensive record. That is genuinely incredible for a last place team in the league. This, this league is so deep. It is wild.
0: Well, and also the wildest thing about that is that the last team to beat them at home were the Spirit, but yeah. they were leading that entire match. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, I know this because Jason and I were tweeting about it Oh, after I tweeted that out. Actually, Sanchez didn't get that equalizer till like the 78th minute.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. I think... It was definitely uh, points rescued. Got... I mean, it was smash and grab stuff. It was not like they dominated.
0: Yeah. And it was like, a, I can't remember who got the winning goal, but I... I'm 95% sure that was, like, well into stoppage time. And yep. so the fact that they just... So if you, like, you know, kind of not, like, or slightly discount that result, like, that is a crazy home streak.
1: It was in the 95th minute, and it was Trinity Rodman who scored the winner. I remember <laughs> exactly. it was ridiculous. So, yeah, and that that's what it took. That was the last time they lost their home. That's wild. Just That's just wild.
0: Yeah, it... It really is, um, so you know it's the final weekend of the n w s l every team is playing Gotham happens to be playing twice because why not? <laughs> um and so there's definitely going to be a lot of stuff coming up, um, and I told myself I wasn't going to make seventeen different scenarios of what could happen, um, but basically, for Gotham, they it's still the same thing of last time they win they're in the playoffs, um, but they technically could tie both of these matches and she and they will also still make it to the playoffs but it's kind of one. I think for the first time in a long time it's kind of one of those decision day um final day of the season you win you're in um but also for other teams they also need to win and try to push on uh try to get to that the final what the final three playoff spots
1: yeah so the 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 uh matches that are coming up they start thursday um that's your first um racing louisville i said racing who am i, I know better it's rossing louisville that's what i do i stay no, committed
0: keep it as racing no it's
1: rossing it <laughs> 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 louisville plays gotham on thursday uh friday the pride and the red stars play then the weekend matches kick off, and then that's when you'll you'll probably have a little bit of an idea about who needs what and what kind of points in all the scenarios. But uh, Casey hosts O.L. Rain on Saturday at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, by the way. Uh, then the Thorns play The Courage. That match is going to be really, really important. The Courage need to win that one if they want to have any hope of making the playoffs. That's, that's Saturday, um, October 30th uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern. And then there are two games on Halloween, The Spirit, Play Houston Dash, 2 p.m. And Gotham kicks off against Rossing Louisville again on uh at 3 p.m. So, and that that one is going to, I think really at that point, you're probably looking at seeding. Um, I'm pretty sure Gotham's gonna get in. So the results of the Spirit and Dash game and the Gotham Rossing Louisville game are really gonna be about playoff seeding. Um, don't know if somebody's gonna have an opportunity perhaps to get a buy, if somebody can leap ahead of oil rain if KC happens to hold them or beat them there is an opportunity there for gotham or maybe the spirit to jump ahead uh and get that so yeah it's gonna be very very interesting
0: yeah and the most to me the like the easiest way to for example conceptualize um at least for gotham is like if houston or if houston or north carolina drop any points like if they tie or lose like Gotham's in. Like that's a weird thing about this. Like there are so many different like so many different um scenarios. But also for example, for Chicago's sake, if um if Houston like uh Houston or North Carolina also drop points, then Chicago's for sure into the playoffs.
1: So yeah and i actually misspoke i think um rain would have to lose to casey because if, if rain get one point they're secured in that in that second spot i believe um i think gotham could still maybe jump them um but they seem pretty gotham secure in that can. spot from a from a spirit standpoint but yeah yeah gotham can jump them so and yeah
0: like, somehow gotham has a head head over all rain as well it don't make no <laughs> yeah, sense yeah it Goth- don't make gotham. no sense <laughs>
1: Got just very good. They've crept up on everybody all season and they've been very, very good all season. It's just that they haven't the table hasn't reflected that because they were always three or four games behind. So yeah, it's it's couple so many games behind
0: <laughs> for the so whole wild. season.
1: Um real quick, before we get into heated and hyped, I wanted to just shout out KC for the for their um stadium deal. Um the, to me, the key things are privately funded which means they're not going to siphon taxpayer money. That's a huge, huge, huge deal with major sports teams and and they're in building stadiums. It gets really gross. Local politics are a thing and something to pay attention to because there have been a whole lot of places. And speaking from somebody who is from the DMV area and what Dan Snyder has done with that American football team, they've just siphoned a lot of money from the communities that, that needed a lot. And it's really disappointing. So love that it's privately funded. Um, and, and it's going to be purpose-built. I think this is the way that you grow the game. I think it's 11,000 seat stadium. That to me is perfect. It may not be like, you know, a hosting site. They'll probably have to host some of the major things still like a US Women's National Team, or if they want to do a World Cup, they may have to do that at Children's Mercy Park because uh, they're going to need larger capacity. But I think for the NWSL, that's perfect because it reminds me of like, Back when, you know, say like Premier League uh, teams or whatever were starting out, that's what happened. Like the stadiums weren't these massive, massive things. You know, you you make it intimate, you build the atmosphere, you build the community, and then you can always add to it and grow uh, in the site and add more capacity to the stadium. So I think 11,000 is going to make that one of the most unique and fun atmospheres in the NWSL. So I'm really excited about that uh, stadium coming eventually.
0: Yeah, 100%. And also... I cannot find the tweet but I genuinely googled the person. Uh one of the local KC reporters um also reported that this weekend Kansas City will also be announcing their name, uh like their new franchise name and also dropping a logo. I have um some really really bad suggestions for them oh, if no. you want to know, let me know. <laughs> just tweet at me because Andre and I were <laughs> genuinely laughing about them for about 15 minutes cuz I just kept coming up with worse and worse names. <laughs> um and and some of them that like genuinely don't even make any sense but they're still kind of funny um and then i also thought of for example a really bad name for uh san diego because to me it would um the name isn't actually bad but it's just hilarious to me because it reminded me a little bit of like lisa frank <laughs> that's all i'm gonna give for that <laughs> oh, right <God>. now <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, they're they're funny to me i have a wicked sense of humor let's say that um <laughs> but yeah. Andre, but do you want to start us off with heated? Oh. And hyped. Out of heated and hyped. I,
1: I I can. And uh I will start with heated. Um so you may have seen if you follow me on Twitter. Um I've been questioning this Carly extravaganza special, What what's that progressive commercial? The extrava-fest to save thon thing? That's what this has felt like, just like the yes. Carly everything, like explosion thing that they're going to have. And I just don't understand it. I think they're setting a bar that they're not going to um, live up to for other players who deserve it. Uh, and that concerns me. But I think one of the other things that really can, well, let me also frame it as as these matches were scheduled no matter what, like right these matches were going to happen regardless. I think the U.S. Women's National Team and U.S. Soccer needed narrative, and I think all of that ended up benefiting Carly because these were go if they if they won the gold, these were going to be victory tour matches, and that was going to take precedence over um, Carly's retirement. You know, I'm sure it would have been mentioned, but we wouldn't have had all this. But because they won bronze and the performances were not good, and people were frustrated. I think that they needed a narrative to get everybody kind of to sell this thing as this big, important event. And so they really hyped up and went all in on the Carly narrative. Now, I understand that from a marketing perspective and all that stuff that they have to do. But to me, from an actual like uh, from an actual like historically important perspective, it was outsized, oversized and wrong because like I said, they're not going to do this for players who actually deserve it because they haven't done it for players that have deserved it. So Heather O'Reilly, Lauren Holiday, Shannon Bach, some of these other players that I think really, really deserve some of these really big send-offs. Um, I don't think they even did all this for Abby Wambach. So I think there's, it's really frustrating that that's the case. But one thing that I'm really, really, the, the primary thing that I'm heated about is that, and it hasn't been, I want to make sure I frame this right because it hasn't been a lot of people I think most of the people who are really, really strong Carly fans know not to follow me. Uh, but there are some people who found the tweet and decided to come at me. And then it's it's a handful of people. So it's not like I was dealing with this all day and it's not really about me. But the one thing that was consistent in what they said is that I just have a problem with Carly personally, basically because I'm black or because she didn't kneel. Now, that's really funny to me. And I love when, when, when specifically white people come at me with stuff like that because I'm like, First of all, do y'all understand and even know how many problematic white people, black people deal with consistently? Like, why do you think we don't have the ability to understand, like, <laughs> to, to to understand that that's like, that's just a part of our life, right? We can understand that and we can separate that. So when you're talking about, you know, analyzing somebody's career separate from them as a person, for me, I don't think you should. But even in these cases... I We absolutely can. You can't come at somebody who's black and just say, you, basically, your blackness makes you biased because you want her to believe these things that you believe. To me, that's real messed up to do to black people or any person of color, but specifically black people in this instance, because you do not understand that, man, we know what, <laughs> we understand how white people are, Okay. And we understand problematic white people. We understand that. And we have dealt with that. And we deal with that in many, many instances. As I told one person on Twitter, like, I wish Julie Ertz would do much better in this this scenario. She seems like she's got enough people around her where she could understand these situations. She could understand and be a voice, but she doesn't. And it is frustrating, but that's not going to take away from me being able to be honest about her abilities and how good she's been. So that just is kind of like it's, it's just one of those things that's really frustrating to deal with because it don't, it's like somebody uses your blackness against you and says, like, you must be biased because of these things. And it's just like, yo, if y'all even knew, like how many times black people have to deal with things like that, like we are very trained in our brains being able to analyze these things. Otherwise, you couldn't function you can't function in this world unless you can you can separate some of these things because it is so ever present. So again, that's really the the main thing that got me heated. I mean, the other down, the other the other flip side of it, like I mentioned is that with all this mythologizing of Carly, I think one of the other things that it does and this is where I think US Soccer was really wrong in how they did it even though obviously they had to sell these games, is that to me what ends up happening is they frame Carly as the reason why the teams were successful in the past that she was on. And that's really disrespectful to a lot of players who were on those teams to make her the focal point. When honestly, if you if you watch those tournaments before, even if you go and you read about them or you review them, you see that she was not the focal point of a lot of those teams. Like those teams don't operate unless a few players on there play as well as they did. So that to me is kind of like the whole, the total thing of it. I've just been annoyed of this whole like Carly extravaganza thing. And putting aside from the fact that just her as a person is not a person I vibe with, not a person I agree with on pretty much anything. I do not like the fact, I still, and I will never get over the fact that she retweeted that, you know, uh, um, um, that racist outlet, that hyper-conservative outlet and basically was was trying to call herself out as doing the quote-unquote right thing, whereas Kristen and Crystal were the ones who were, you know, they, she tried to, they tried to frame it as they were turning their back on the flag, which was untrue. So, like, that kind of stuff, I'll just never forgive you for stuff like that. Like, you, you for no reason whatsoever, you made a target out of two black women who were supposed to be your teammates. To me, that's very diff- That Like, that stuff on a personal level, I can't get over. But I'm black and I'm black in America and I'm black in a white America. I know how to separate these things. And so, yes, me saying that Carly doesn't deserve all of this. Isn't about her not kneeling. I knew Carly wasn't ever gonna kneel. (laughs) That ain't something I ever had any hope about. So please, enough with that, and I'm done. What's got you heated?
0: Several things. I have right now. It's like I just have a deep simmering in my soul. Um, The first thing that has me heated, and this is like kind. eh, It's not. I don't know. Maybe it's a medium. uh, A medium heated. Uh, First thing. So I was listening. A preheat. So I was listening to Attacking Third. Go listen to it. But I was listening to Attacking Third's interview with Sadella Marley. And I was just heated by the entire conversation. And it wasn't like anything they were saying. I just got so deeply angry at the lengths that women, and specifically black and brown women, go through to play soccer. And I mean like all around the world. Like I was just listening and like I we can link it in the show notes. Like I 100 percent recommend you go listen to it because you really see all the work that Marley has been doing, um, especially with the reggae girls and like you know, for example, doing this thing like the um the festival that they just put on in Fort Lauderdale, which literally caused like it basically forced um the Jamaican Federation, also Costa Rican Federation to like reconvene their national teams together so they could like go play these games and you know recognizing for example the importance of that when not only because of the whole pandemic that friendlies and things like that have been canceled but also world cup qualifying is coming up and so these teams need to meet but just i was just so so heated by so many things she was saying of what the players have to go through like (laughs) she literally said that in like they were struggling to get soccer balls Like, they wanted 12 soccer balls for these matches so that, you know, (laughs) and, like, for practice, things like that. And the Federation was like, oh, we gave that money to the grassroots programs. They couldn't even secure soccer balls for these players. And when you have someone and it's like, okay, maybe you say that if no one is really paying attention to this team or they don't, for example, have, like, someone that's, like, at times maybe can be seen as, like, a benefactor coming and being like, I want to put money towards this team. But it's, like, truly the the basics aren't even being met. Like, at a, at times it was either Marley or I can't remember the name of the other person um, from her team that was there. But <laughs> they were saying that they couldn't even get sports bras. Like, sports bras for these players. And it's just, it is so, it's so deeply infuriating. And we know, for example, that um, many of the Jamaican players, like, have not been paid by the Federation for, um... Like, for their appearances. They haven't, for example, they didn't get bonuses when they made the World Cup for the, like, and I mean the the senior national team World Cup for the first time. Like, I was just walking down the street and just found myself getting angrier and angrier at the systems that, not even systems, at the barriers that exist around the world, truly, for women who want to go and play soccer. And also women who are deep, deeply talented that Jamaica team is stacked. I watched them play against Costa Rica, and I don't know how they did not <laughs> did not score. And shout out to Shayna Matthews because she was literally on one that whole match. But it's just like so deeply frustrating having like listening to these stories of players that can't even get the basics. And I know this is not, for example, un- unique to the reggae girls. Like I know this, there have been reports about this happening all over the world, but it's just so deeply, deeply frustrating to see that. Um, and knowing that even if you, like, even if you try to do the things, you know, there's always, for example, like, that argument of, oh, well, they don't make us any money or something like that, but even for, it's like, fine, they don't make any money, fine, I, like, we have someone that will literally just, like, literally pay for this or give you the money to give to us to pay for it for, like, FIFA rules or whatever, and it's just... It is so deeply fresh. Like, I know I said this is a preheat, but honestly, I've already just made myself more
1: angry. The thing that's got me... That's right, it was a preheat. That's what it's supposed
0: to be. <laughs> the thing that has got me most angry, and this is something that I've already yelled about on this podcast in an earlier iteration, where one of the commentators of the NWSL, she's not a fan fave, maybe guess which one. Earlier this season, when... Jen Kujo of Gotham got a yellow card. She made a comment basically saying that Kujo needs to, like, learn how to not fly into tackles and, you know, be a lot more controlled in her gameplay because she had a bad tackle and got a yellow card, right? Also, to be fair, Kujo played the rest of those minutes and was perfectly fine. But then, this past weekend, when we finally, we, you know, we've been tweeting Free Cujo. A few other podcasts and um, podcast accounts have been tweeting Free Cujo. So this weekend, we finally get to see Cujo on the field. And it's like such a joyous occasion, right? Let me just take a moment to gather myself. <laughs> because I am deeply, deeply angry about what I'm about to talk about. So, one of these people... I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to call her out, but I'm just not going to. (sighs) One of these people, as soon as Cujo got on the pitch and Andre, I'm pulling up the tweet for you because immediately said something about it because I was pissed. She said that Cujo has gotten better on discipline and because of that, was not getting into silly challenges.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember this. Now. Our favorite commentator.
0: The first time, fine. Let's say she didn't know what she was saying when she was like, you know, she needs better control. This t- second time, talking about discipline and not getting into silly challenges. First of all, do you watch the NWSL? There are literally players in this right. league, white players. Shea Groom is, to me, always pops in my head. Yep. Of players who literally go into nasty tackles. Get yellow cards literally all the time. If you want to talk about yellow cards, Ali Long literally needed to sit out of a Gotham match because of yellow card accumulation. And you have the nerve, the gall, the, the caucasity <laughs> to say that Kujo has gotten better on discipline and not getting into silly challenges. First of all, she hasn't even been playing. And second of all, keep that energy for all of the other players in this league that are literally celebrated for being super physical and getting yellow cards. There are, And also, we didn't, didn't even get into this, of how we know there have literally been studies that black and brown players get yellow cards and red cards at a higher rate than white players. And we don't even need to talk about it in the NWSL, where I've seen so many matches where there are clear tackles that are textbook yellow cards. Textbook yellow cards, or even some red cards. Thinking about, for example, when Jane Campbell literally punched Midge yeah. in the face 20 yards outside of the 18-yard box. No, no call. No card. But you have the gall to come here and say that Kujo's gotten better on discipline and not getting into silly challenges. When literally players are all around her getting yellow cards and getting into silly challenges, but you don't keep that same energy for them. Keep it.
1: Wasn't that in that same broadcast that they also um, praised Zerboni for how tough she was and her how she doesn't mind mixing it up and, and playing physically? Didn't they say that? And I was just like, yo... Ziboni's one of the most reckless players out there, man. (laughs) Like I was, I remember watching. It was a it was a preseason scrimmage. It was only me and Jason, the Spirit reporters, who were there watching the scrimmage against they were then Sky Blue. She got two yellows in a scrimmage against the Spirit and hurt Bailey Feist. Like, like I praising her for these things when we see her go through reckless challenges and get yellow cards all the time. So, like, when is that a problem? Only when Jen Cujo does it. But it's toughness when Zerboni does it. It's toughness when Ali Long does it. What's the difference? It's good. Oh, it's
0: you're such a competitive player when Shea Groom does it. Right. When like I could go down the list, the list of players, white players, who are celebrated for this attribute. But then as soon as Jen Cujo gets into one silly tackle, missed time tackle, it's she needs to work on discipline. Ocean needs to work on control. I'm even more angry about it than the first time it happened. Honestly. Like, you, <laughs> thinking about all the things, not, not only, like, black players have been through this past season, but black fans been through, because we see it, and we we see it all the time. But then it's, oh, no, it's not because of this, or oh, no, it's because of that, or no, oh, no, 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 no. No. This is literally the same shit, and they need to do better. And by they, I mean, like, the commentary, redeem- like, it needs to be better for black players in this league, but also for black fans in this league.
1: Yeah. One hundred percent facts. That this is why we need, you know, black people, black supporters, black supporters groups. Um, obviously the Black Women's Player Collective all involved with this completely. Uh, this any transformation that the league is is going to try and undertake because if not, they're going to completely miss it and continue to do stuff like this.
0: Also, Jen Cujo only has two yellow cards in her whole career. <laughs>
1: two
0: she has two yellow cards oh my gosh sorry for shouting but i literally it makes me so mad when she has two yellow cards two one two how many how many buns does crystal Dunn put in her hair two jen <laughs> kujo has the exact same amount of yellow cards in her career
1: yeah that is wow i'm so glad you looked that up because that just that that's it right there i mean that's it right there uh, you just labeled her as a reckless pl- player going into dangerous challenges, and no, she's not. I mean, even even by the standard of NWSL refereeing, you can say like, okay, well, those two yellow cards should have maybe been four. Well, then tell me what the hell Ali Long and Zerboni <laughs> should have, right? <laughs> like, uh, please apply it evenly. It, like, it's so frustrating because this is common. This is common sense stuff. Like, this is kind of the other thing. And I'm sorry, I don't want to take over you. You heated, but this is kind of my other thing. Is like, you have to go out of your way to do stuff like this. Like it's not even based on facts or evidence. So you're just making stuff up. Don't do that. Like how hard is it to not do that? Just don't do that.
0: It's it's really not hard. And to be, to be fair, the two is like her official playing career. But even if you want to include challenge cup, the only challenge cup and fall series, which like honestly weren't even real. That still only brings her to three. Ally Long, we're not even finished with the season. And we've seen multiple players having to sit out for yellow card accumulation. And also players who have been playing for significantly longer and still routinely get yellow cards like the the deep the deep negro spiritual angry in me it's ridiculous, it's absolutely ridiculous like i <laughs> I cannot believe it, like Ally Long just this season has six just this season like twenty twenty one season already has six yellow cards.
1: So she's got double this season with Jen Cujo as in her whole NWSL career. Dope.
0: I mean, if we want to talk a whole NWSL career, Alley Long has 18 yellow cards. <laughs> <laughs> and McCall Zerboni has had, couldn't say, you know, just wanted to go and bring it up on the broadcast. And I mean, to be fair, this is from uh, FB Ref, so not necessarily the best. But McCall Zerboni also has 18.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At this rate, yeah. Jen Kujo would have to play how long to get to 18? She's got three total. Right nine now. seasons. So, yeah.
0: She'd have to play nine seasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just, just so stupid. Um, all right. Let, let's let's transition. Let's talk about what's got us hype. Uh, so I want you to go first and, uh, tell us so, so you can hit the, so I don't even know. I was going to try and make some pun to go preheat, but it's late and my brain ain't working. So how about you just cool down? Hype sure. Cool down <laughs> with the, <laughs> what's got you hype? It's
0: like a baby hype. Cause right now I'm still heated, but what my little cool down is, um, is insecure coming back for the fifth and final season, but I'm not like super hype cause I'm low key gutted <laughs> that it's. Like, the show is ending. Like, the the Black Twitter vibes with Insecure is immaculate. Um, And I'm just really, really excited about this season. I know there's already controversy because of Tiffany potentially wearing an AKA crest and just, it's all up in arms, and a lot of hoopla, but I think the storylines, like, the themes that are going to pull out from this season are really, really good. And also, just Natasha Rothwell (laughs) as Kelly is one of the funniest characters on television. You can't tell me otherwise. She is so funny and the best part is is that half of her like half of her lines that make you cackle aren't even written. They're just ad-libs. Like she's just such a spectacular actress and comedian that the stuff that makes you crack up are just ad-libs. She's spectacular and perfect in every single way. And so, I'm really excited for Insecure to come back. Um and I'm also excited that you know we're doing a little merch planning and stuff like that which is that's a, like a little teaser for you um and what i'm truly have about is the fact that we are coming out with merch and it's about to look so good and i'm literally so excited about it
1: yo i was say i should have saved you for the end because i'm really excited about the merch too that's what's up like yeah 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 y'all 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 get ready it's gonna be fun we're gonna have a good time with this um i'm gonna have the greatest time of my life i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be dope um yeah my my hype is is real simple uh just want to thank everybody who participated in in the little silly uh raffle that i had that we ended up uh having uh anybody who donated to the black women's player collective we have selected a winner have been sent their ticket so this has been really cool i was dumb and bought two tickets in case you need to catch up uh and so i i thought i was only buying one i bought two so just make sure whoever donated uh, to the Black Women's Player Collective Was thrown in the raffle And was going to get the ticket And so we have made that decision uh, a Random decision And we have sent the ticket off So uh, I'm really happy about that uh, Glad that that happened And and thankful uh, Thank y'all for playing along And donating to the Black Women's Player Collective And uh, you can do that at any time So I suggest If you want to chuck a few dollars their way Please do uh, I think you can donate as low as $10 Probably even lower than that If you change it to like other But yeah um, Every little bit helps uh, they're doing some really good work. As you saw, the new website—it's really nice. We're still waiting for, you know, other initiatives that are popping up for the call up series. I uh, want to see when that drops uh, any merch they come out with. But yeah, they're doing really, really good work. Um, the board is incredible. The members are incredible. Um, big fan of the advocates as well, having them there as well. So, yeah, uh, that's my hype. I'm excited about that. Uh, Courtney, do you have anything else to say before we get out of here?
0: Yes, I forgot one hype. My Virginia Cavaliers are voted number one in the United Soccer Coaches. Paul Hoos. I had to add it in. I'm not sorry. I'm truly thrilled. I am heartbroken. Um, that one of my faves, Rebecca Jarrett, has was has been injured this entire season because she's literally a baller. But had to throw in Mahus. All who's. right.
1: I, I've got nothing. Uh, other than that, uh, I've got no college team that I really support or anything. So, um, sure. Go Hoos. <laughs> go who's?
0: <laughs> this is the who's podcast. Oh, I God. mean, it's not, but what always I go Hoos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the last thing of Alex Morgan's goal, being scored in the 69th minute with a nutmeg. Nice. Come and man. that's it, y'all. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the podcast
1: there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U T D P O D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.